This is your Friday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Hope everybody's ready for the weekend. Going to be good time. Starting to warm up a little bit. Sounds good to me. Um, and speaking of warming up, the Wolves did that against the Grizzlies on Thursday night coming out of the break. We'll get to that here in just a little bit. Um, also welcome Adrian Heath. Minnesota United head coach onto the show. Their season begins Saturday. Yes, tomorrow, February 26th is the first day of the Major League Soccer season in Philadelphia. Can't believe it is here already. Feels like they just stopped playing, but these short off seasons, um, this one predicated on the World Cup starting um, later this year, is uh, it's going to test? Uh, it's going to put them to the test early on. Uh, Philadelphia, a good team. So we'll, we'll talk to Adrian Heath about that, about you know, kind of what this year's team looks like, and get his thoughts on some other things outside the world of soccer as well. Got to hit the wild. Lost for the fourth time in five games, three to one to Toronto. Um, we got to get to uh, got to get to go for women's basketball, having a big win as well. And we'll hear from. New Vikings defensive coordinator Ed Donatel. I really enjoyed his energy in his introductory news conference. All the new coordinators introduced on Thursday. But first, what did I miss? Got to start with the Wolves. Wolves beat Memphis one nineteen to one fourteen on Thursday night. Just a really good basketball game. Uh, maybe we can start there. Watched most of it. Um, and it was, you know, so, some ragged play early from the Wolves kind of, you know, coming out of the break, you know, a week off, they looked a little bit rusty. I think I tweeted at one point, it looked like they hadn't played together forever, not just a week. Um, but they found it at a certain point and mostly it was D'Angelo Russell who found it 23 of his 37 points coming in the fourth quarter, some Huge plays down the stretch, whether it was a corner three, um, you know, his classic rip-through move where he got some free throws, got them the lead. Um, it, you know, if this was, and again, long way to go on this and a lot of work to do on this because even after that win, the Wolves, I believe, are two and a half games still out of the number six spot in the West behind Denver, uh, trailing Dallas by three and a half. You know, if if this was a preview of what the playoffs look like, and specifically if this is a preview of a potential matchup against the Grizzlies, because the Grizzlies are the number three seed right now, could stay in that spot as the season goes along. Um, sign me up for that because a it was highly entertaining. It was just a a gritty back and forth basketball game with a lot of twists and turns, with a lot of plays made down the stretch, not perfect uh, by any means. The Wolves had some moments where you're pulling out your hair. They gave up 26 offensive rebounds. I believe that was the most in the NBA all season, um, you know, showing their their lack of size, really, which would be a problem in that series. Steven Adams, a lot of the other, you know, kind of springy Memphis players that they have that they get up and get the ball. It just seemed like that was a deficiency all night. But um, matchup wise, the Wolves seem to match up pretty well with Memphis, and at least on Thursday, we're able to match that kind of toughness and intensity. So, you know, if, if that's this is, it, it felt like a playoff game. I'll just say that I don't want to get too deep into what matchups might look like if they were able to jump up and get that number six seed, and Memphis stayed 
at number three. Uh, but it felt like a playoff game. It felt like two teams. You can tell the difference between pre-All-Star game, post-All-Star game. You could tell what was at stake in this game. And a lot of these games are going to be magnified like this. I mean, look at the Wolves' schedule coming up in the next few. They've got to play again tonight against Philadelphia. James Harden making his 76ers debut. So right there, you got some intrigue. Um, after that, they go to Cleveland on Monday. Cleveland, a much improved team, much like the Wolves, much like Memphis, probably the three most surprising teams in the NBA this season. And then they got to play Golden State on a back-to-back right after playing Cleveland. Now, after that, it does get a little softer, like we talked the other day. Two against uh, the Thunder and Blazers in that mix, plus one against the Magic. So, you know, but these early first four games are going to be that that kind of test. And I think they... They they certainly passed it Thursday night, even though it was again not a perfect game, not a uh, not a work of art in some ways. It was a it was a a very entertaining game to watch, and it's the kind of game you're going to have to win when you get to the playoffs. Anthony Edwards, by the way, one of eleven in this game, five points. He did have other things going for him in that game, though: seven assists, four rebounds, two block shots was part of a defense largely responsible for holding John Morant, the excellent uh, point guard for Memphis, to just 7 of 25 from the field. Morant left the game for a while. He hit, hurt like a hip, um, slipping on the floor a little bit, but he came back, kept playing. Uh, but Ant, especially on the final sequence, you know, holding John Morant down, uh, Morant throws up an air ball on the last real chance Memphis had to tie the game. So, um Anthony Edwards, after the game, I enjoyed this kind of sequence of events, uh, you know, asked about his defense, asked about D'Angelo Russell. Here is Anthony Edwards on those subjects. I mean, when I'm playing like that bad offensively, I always like try to find another way to take over the game. And I think I did that defensively tonight. I told you guys before that my defense is that good. Um, I think on anybody in the NBA, I, I can go on anybody in the NBA when it comes down to like one-on-one matchups. I, I love myself every time. What did you think of uh, D'Lo there in the fourth? And oh my God, he was incredible. <laughs> uh, he reminded me of myself out there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he played, he played a great game, man. Like all four quarters, like he never went quiet. Like everybody knew he was on the court, and that's the D'Lo we need every night, man. I'm super proud of. Him. Again, it's no secret, as D'Lo has gone this year, so have gone the Wolves. That might have been the best game I've seen him play. Again, 37 points, uh, 13 of 21 shooting, ultra-efficient, made eight of his nine free throws. He also had nine assists, you know, on a night where Ant had nothing going offensively, on a night where Towns, Conflict Towns, was in foul trouble, only played 28 minutes, did score 22 points, and had 11 rebounds, three blocks. Um, a night where Jaden McDaniels, Naz Reed, Jared Vanderbilt, all of them in foul trouble. You know, you're getting some from the bench, but really that was the D'Angelo Russell show, at least offensively. And that, you know, if he can play at 80% of that in most games this season, they will win a lot of games down the stretch. And if he plays like he did on Thursday, they are going to be a tough out for anybody once the postseason rolls around. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. I would like to welcome back to Daily Delivery right now, Adrian Heath, manager of Minnesota United. 
season opener Saturday in Philadelphia. Adrian, it feels like the off season lasted about 12 minutes. Maybe it was a little longer for you, but uh, yeah. for a little earlier start to the season, of course, because of the World Cup this year. But uh, you, you never get much of a break anyway, do you? No, because for the staff, it's a time for us to go and scout players that we've been monitoring over a few months. Um, obviously, you can't do it in the season, so it gives us an opportunity to go and look at players that we, we think could you know, potentially come and join us. It gives us an opportunity to go and, you know, I, I, I normally like to go and watch people work who I, who I like and respect around the world. But it's been a bit difficult with the old COVID stuff and a lot of clubs being closed. So it was a little bit more of a different um, off-season, Michael, really, because a lot of the things that we normally always do, we found it a lot more difficult. But as you say, with the World Cup starting this year, um, everything starting a little bit earlier. So it's uh, we haven't had as much time to fill in as, as normal. I can't remember. In 2021, did Hindsight United end up winning the MLS Cup or was that somebody else? Well, they always win it, don't they? Because everybody's got the answer after. Yeah, you know, Hindsight United have never been beat, Michael. I was just getting. That was a, a callback to uh, your last appearance, one of the lines that I enjoyed the most from last year on the show but let's let's spin it forward to this year plenty of new faces trying to fit pieces together some of them existing you know holdovers that are maybe going to be playing bigger roles for you as you kind of you know look at this year's roster and the opportunity ahead obviously not an easy one at the jump Philadelphia is supposed to be very good this year as well um, how do you how do you kind of see the pieces you have fitting together well, that's the, that's the secret, and that's what you know. As a as a coach and coaching staff, that's what we have to do. We we we've certainly changed a little bit of the roster around. We've 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 got a little bit younger, which we felt that we had to start to do. You know, we we brought Kervin uh, Arriaga in to compete in midfield. We brought uh, Bongi Halungwanga from the young South African wide guy can play through uh, both wide and through the middle. And fortunately, we've been able to bring. Um, Luisa Maria back, you know, and they've been three big pickups for us, we feel. Um, obviously, we, we feel as though now Sonny Dotson has to take the next step. You know, we, we all know he's got a lot of um, a lot of potential and he's shown glimpses of that. But now he has a, an opportunity to sort of solidify that midfield and make that spot his own. And that's what he's got to aim to do. So, you know, we, we pretty much kept the same back, back line. Um, but we've freshened up in, in attacking areas. So we feel as though we've got a, a really rounded squad. And if we keep everybody fit and healthy, um, you know, I don't see any reason why we can't do what we've done for the last three years, which is make the playoffs. You mentioned Hassani Dotson. That was top of my list to talk to you about. I just read the story. Um, I think it was in either yesterday's papers. It recently in start to be in start to be about Hassani and just kind of the opportunity you just, spoke of, you know, if he is going to take that next step, is it a matter of consistency? Is it a matter of, you know, identifying what he does well and, you know, focusing on that? Or how do you, how do you see, you know, that step forward being taken by him? I think he's got the opportunity now to play in the position that he feels as though he's going to make the most strides in. I think he feels as though he's going to be a box-to-box midfield player who can get in, get goals on the edge of the box, which we know he can. Um, but he's had a lot of competition in there. You know, he's had the fact that Ozzy Alonso and Jan Gregus, why he's been here. And, and one of the things about Asani is that he's so comfortable in, in different positions. And, you know, he's got a really good feel for the game wherever we play him. 
that we felt as though, you know, we've put him in, plugged him in other roles at times. And I think now is the time he has to go and truly make that, you know, box-to-box midfield player in our 4-2-3-1 system. He make that his own and he will have that opportunity to do that. Having said that, Michael, you know, as I just said, we brought Kevin Arriaga in and, you know, Josie Frazales has made strides as well. We've still got Corey Hayes here. So this, he's going to have a lot of a lot of competition for that starting spot. Now he's got it at this moment in time. It's up to him to keep it. And if he does, then I, I feel as though he can grow. And I know he has ambitions of playing in the national team. Well, you know, this is an opportunity for show that. You mentioned health as well. I know we talked last year about how good this team was when it you know, had at least its full complement of attacking players in particular when everybody was in the lineup together. It's, you know, to a certain degree beyond your control, but it does seem like you start the year at least relatively fit, yes? At this moment, we've had a couple of issues this week, which has been a bit disappointing considering how, every, how well preseason's gone. You know, we've virtually had a full complement of players for nearly every training session. And we've had a few little niggles this week. So there's a couple of other guys that are going to be game to, uh, day to day. But overall, when I look at our attacking pieces, because if you look at our defensive structure over the last two or three years, Michael, we've been in the top quarter of the MLS for the last three years. Um, last year, I think we were in the top five. So a similar defensive unit this year with the added bits of attacking flair that we think we've added. We've added a little bit more speed in wide areas. We've had a little bit more. I think we've got more of a goal threat with Luis Amaria coming in. You know, so if we can put that together and knit it all together nicely, I, I don't see any reason why we shouldn't be better. You mentioned, and we talked to him, anytime we talk about offense, goal scoring, the conversation tends to start with Emmanuel Reynoso. This will be his third season with you now and making you know, making strides. It's hard, it's hard to make strides when you start the way he did, but as you think about his game, is there a next evolution for him or a next step for him to take, or is it just a matter of keep doing what you're doing because you are at that level now? No, he needs to score more goals, and it's something that we've spoke to him about. You know, even this morning in training, he's done some of the most ridiculous bits of skill and stuff that you've ever seen, but a couple of te- occasions he could have had a shot at goal. He's a really good finisher. You know, so we, we need to encourage him to take more opportunities when he when they come his way. He gets as much pleasure out of um, finding a teammate with a, a beautiful sublime pass as he does at scoring a goal. And he's got to he's got to change that. We've got to get him um, where he's a ten goals a season man, not five or six, which he normally currently does. We've got to get him in double figures, and he will always create chances because his vision is exceptional. So that's the next stage for for Ray. You know. Ray can make himself an MVP of this league, make himself a very rich young man if, if he does what we think he should do. As you kind of think about, you know, the bigger picture of this season, you know, we talked extensively last year about the 0-4 start and what that kind of did to the whole year. Uh, again, easier said than done, but as you, you know, how do you get into that mindset where, you don't want to put too much pressure on it, but you know you don't want to start 0-4 again. You never want to. How, how do you get up to a better start this year, I guess, is the simpler way of asking that question. Well, we've got to perform better than we did. I think our off-season, you know, we gave the lads a pretty strenuous off-season program. And one of the pleasing things was when they came back, we were probably 
a couple of weeks ahead of where we normally are in terms of what we were able to do with the players. You know, we 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 did, we quickly went from the bedding in process to really ramping it up. Um, hopefully, that will make us at the ground running a little bit uh, further advanced than we were this time last year. And also, I think we've got a better team, Michael. I think we got you know we've got a, a deeper squad. The, the one thing that I do know now is that if you're in the team and you've got the shirt, you're going to have to play well and train well to keep it because we have, we have too much quality. You know, I'm looking at the board now behind me and I'm thinking I'm going to have to leave three or four people behind for the trip who normally would have been at least on the bench. So, you know, we've got, we've got some tough decisions to make, but for a coach, they, they're very good decisions to make because I've been doing this a long time and one of the best motivations for any player is the, th- the thought that he might not play because there's somebody waiting to take his spot. And I think that's what we've been working on. And I think we're in a better spot now than we've probably ever been since we've been here. Probably not even a problem, but a good thing for a coach to have. It must, it must be difficult at times, though, to manage egos is maybe the wrong word, but manage you know feelings, expectations from players who do want to be on the field and aren't. If you do have that much quality, that, that piece of it probably comes into play. Yeah, for sure. You know, they've, they've all got their own egos. Players have, they've all got the, and they've all got their own desire and burning desire to do well and to be successful. But you have to be on the, on the field to do that. You know, it's something that we have spoke about to the players. You know, I've had, I've had times while I've been the coach at the club where I've looked down at the bench and thought, I need to make some changes. And then I've looked and thought, whatever I do makes us weaker. You know, the best, the best 11 are on the field as we speak. I don't think that's going to be the case this year, you know, and I've, I've, I've let the players know in no uncertain terms that, you know, the best players, the players that are performing well on a Saturday and performing well Monday to Friday will have the opportunity to play. A few more things for you, Adrian, always enjoying these conversations that we have. Um, you know, you're looking at, uh, you're looking at some, some different pieces that you already added. Anything else? I know there's, approximately 17 different transfer windows and chances to add more pieces. Are there more moves to come yet? Well, there is there's opportunity to do. We, we, we feel as though we've got, uh, we'll have an overseas slot available. If we wanted to bring a foreign player in, we do have room on the roster. We do have room on the cap. So we'll, we'll see how we go. And obviously the next window for us would probably be, big, be the big European window when players are available either on free transfers or for sale. Um, so we, we'll give ourselves the opportunity to, to add to the group, you know, if we feel as though we, we're not doing what we should do in certain areas. You talked about um, at the beginning, you talked about, you know, COVID impacting this off season, your ability to do different things. I mean, it just got me thinking you haven't had a truly normal year since 2019, probably. And, mm-hmm. you know, as we, you know, we tended to just kind of, look at results as, as they're happening, we kind of process what's going on, but when it becomes history, we just kind of look at, you know, wins, losses, what happened on paper. How is just the last two years, how has that worn on players and even yourself as you kind of, you know, think about this just hasn't been normal for two years. No, it's, it's not. And, you know, I, I, we were talking about it the other day, you know, I, I still, I still wake up in, in a cold sweat thinking of the bubble down in Orlando two years ago when we had like, was it 40 odd days, 50 days in the, in the, in it, it seemed like solitary confinement, but uh, no, it's, it's been an unusual couple of years for sure. Um, hopefully. And it looks like we are, it looks like we're coming out of it the other end a little bit and we can get back to some normalcy. I think it's been harder for the staff 
you know, the players come in and do their job and we try and make everything as, as normal as possible for them guys. But then they have the opportunity to go home, be with the wife and the kids. Whereas the staff, you know, we, we've got everything else still to do after. And then you've all the restrictions when you when you get home and when you're going to try and travel to watch players, etc. But hey, hopefully we're on the other end of it now and we can, uh, as I say, get back to some normalcy and, and uh, everybody can get on with their life. You mentioned playoffs the last three years, one of only a handful of teams, I believe, in the league that has done that. Is that a baseline expectation for 2022? Are the goals higher than that? Do you even set kind of preseason goals for where you think this team should be at the end of the year? No, I think from the sort of evolution of the club, I think that the the playoffs is the minimum and then we should go from there. Um, I was really disappointed the way we went out to the playoffs last year. I don't think we, we did, did ourselves justice. You know, the first 25 minutes at Portland, I thought we were very good. And then after, once they got a foothold in the game and got it on level terms, I don't think we competed the way that we should have done. Um, I think it's going to be a tougher year than, than most. I can't expect, I, I don't expect both LA teams not to make the playoffs, which was really unusual. You expect to Seattle be there. You expect Portland to be there because they're the you know, perennial spenders in this league. So there's four teams before you even start that you expect to be better. You know, I think Nashville coming across will make it tougher. I expect Austin to be better being in their third year. So, yeah, there's, a, there's an awful lot of, you know, this league's not slowing down. People are spending money and bringing top players from all over the world in it. And we have to make sure that we we prepared and, and make sure that every time that we play, we play to our potential. Because that's one of the things last year I didn't think we did. We were too inconsistent. I thought when we were good, we were very good. And when we were bad, we were we were awful at times. And that we can't have the disparity to be that much. We we need to be more consistent and that will be the aim. You know, captains are one thing, but as you kind of evaluate this team, where does where's most of the leadership come from on this team? Well, I, I said to you, if there's one area of the team that we are really uh, with with experience, it's on the back line. You know, even Brent's getting towards 30 now. Boxy's 30, uh, 31, 32, as is the Bassi, as is Remain. Tyler now, whether it be Tyler, whether it be Dane Sinclair, they're experienced. And obviously, Will Trapp. You know, Will Trapp has been the captain of every team he's played for. You know, and he'll probably be the captain for us this year as well. So... You know, the leaders come from people who've been there, seen it and done it. And the ones who really uphold the standards that we're trying to trying to produce. And, um, you know, we have enough of them, people who've, who've been there and seen it. And um, we will rely heavily on them at stages during the year, as you always do. I always like to give you one last uh, question. It's kind of outside of soccer. What to, what are you watching? What are you liking? What What have you been occupying yourself with when you haven't been traveling or thinking about how to make this squad better in 2022? Um, well, like most of us, we are away for 10 days, so we have a little bit of time when we're on the road. And I'm, I'm, I'm quite excited to watch. I'm a big Formula One guy. The, the, the new series comes out, I think it's next week or this, in two weeks' time, especially with what happened in the final race in Abu Dhabi. So yes. I'm, I'm quite excited to see that unfold and you know, get a behind-the-scenes look at that. But most of the time, it's just sport with me, Michael. You know, I, I love all sports. Um, I enjoyed the fight the other night between um, uh, Michigan and the guys. <laughs> that was pretty entertaining. And uh, obviously now we, we, we're gearing up with the, 
the hockey. I've been watching the hockey. Obviously, the Wild have been doing really well, and and now we got to, you know we're nearly there with the playoffs, etc. With the the NBA, so a lot to watch. You've never taken a swing or had a swing taken at you, have you? I've had my moments over the years. I've got to be honest. Um, but too too many red cards. You know, when I look back, some of the red cards I've got, I could have uh, let myself down a little bit. My temper got the better of me. So uh, I get it. It's part and parcel of sport, uh, sport and competing. But uh, sometimes it doesn't look so good. <laughs> well, well, we'll, uh, we'll get into that maybe at another time. Adrian, yeah. always love to catch up with you. Best of luck this season starting Saturday in Philadelphia, all right? Cheers, Michael, anytime. Always a pleasure. Appreciate it. Thanks, Adrian. Cheers. Always love catching up with Adrian Heath, and I don't doubt that he got himself into a few scraps and scrapes back in the day. You know, undersized player in the Premier League back in the day. Um, I can imagine he had to play with a certain style and a certain edge. Um, I don't think he's going to bring that, doesn't bring that over to coaching's not going to hit anybody like uh like Jawan Howard did but interesting to hear him you know kind of talking about the that Matt that uh you know that 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 dust up between Michigan and Wisconsin in the way he did but more importantly interesting to hear him talk about the team this year sounds like he really likes this group and you know for for all of the you know criticism that maybe he's faced from from a segment of of United fandom over the years Three straight trips to the playoffs um, and looking looking for a fourth this year. No guarantees, but if he likes this year's team, uh, that is a certainly a good sign going into the year, which again starts Saturday against Philadelphia. Let's move on to the Wild for a little bit. Now, every year is going to have these kind of lulls where something's not going your way. You're not playing your best. You're not having the results you want. The Wild going through one of those right now. Lost 3-1 to one to Toronto. On Thursday, uh, last one was an empty net goal. Kapokak and then played a pretty good game. Uh, 22 saves on 24 shots. I believe that would qualify as a quality start. It was kind of a you know a low output game for for a lot of it. The Wild kind of tightened things up. So did Toronto, especially after they got kind of loose against Ottawa in their own zone. But four losses in five. That's a you know that's that's a trend they're going to need to reverse and I mean if you look at the you know look at the NHL standings it's uh, you know it's 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 going to be tight the rest of the way for them just look at the central division I mean the wild still in third place in the central but only by a point they're they're you know avalanche way up then you got you know at 78 points then you got St. Louis at 66 wild at 65 predators at 64 then you got Dallas at 59 um so this is you know Again, it, it it's likely again. Uh, this still feels like a playoff team, and they've got you know games in hand on a lot of these teams because they had longer pauses at the beginning of the year. They've they've played three fewer games than the Predators, two fewer games than the Stars. So, no cause for real concern yet, and they still have a really good goal differential. I think they are certainly a top three team in that division and still a top ten team in the league, but it's a results business too. And they need to start winning games again and start feeling good about their game again. I just don't feel like they're at that place right now. In happier news, go for women's basketball routed Illinois on senior night, 87 54. Go read Kent Youngblood's good game story on that. Sounds like the seniors for the U played really well in that game. And, uh, you know, they should 
you know, they should be proud of that final home effort, 87-54. Gophers still have a chance to avoid uh, playing in the uh, the earliest games of the Big Ten tournament if they can beat Penn State in their last game. So we'll see if that uh, comes to fruition. Uh, they'll, they'll play that game on Sunday. Let's finish with the cooler. I enjoyed listening to Ed Donatel, Vikings defensive coordinator. Let's play a clip right off the jump here of him talking about, I think this is an answer to Ben Gessling of the Star Tribune's question about you know, when you're switching from a 4-3 to a 3-4 scheme, which it sounds like the Vikings will do in their base defense, what are the th- what are the things you got to you have to teach, and what do the players have to learn who haven't necessarily played in that kind of scheme? There's always adjustment, and if you look at uh, just in the 3-4, uh, with uh, one of my, my great partner Vic Fangio, we rolled into San Francisco about 11 years, 12 years ago, and we did a four-year stint there. And they already had some 3-4 setup going there. And we rolled into Chicago. And their defense had started to decline, and they were 4-3. So there was a a major change there. Um, So we did that exercise, and then we we rolled into Denver four years later. So it helps to have been through the drill a couple times. Uh, The only thing I want to do different here is do it better. You know, you should get better at things if you've had a couple, you know, runs through it. I don't fear anything. You know, uh, I want to put all my experience together to fix it and get it right. This just seems like a smart hire by Kevin O'Connell. You know, he's an offensive guy. Hire a guy on defense who you can not just, you know, you don't just want to ignore that side of the ball, but you understand where your strengths are. Your strength is the offensive side of the ball. Bring in a veteran who's done it before, a guy who can turn a defense around from where it's been. And the defense has not been good here the last two years, even though Mike Zimmer was a defensive-minded head coach. Um, you know, maybe a change, um, maybe a change will uh, will help them in in that regard. But uh, you know, I think Donatel was a good a good hire, and I'm excited to see what that change will mean and what that change might mean for personnel as well. That will do it for today. Thanks again for joining me all week here on Daily Delivery. I'll be back at it again on Monday.